How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's not a problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. It seems like you're having a really good 2022. Uh, it's been a productive 2022, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, I, I really wanted to make sure I put out as much music as possible. Um, not just because, you know, I, I wanted to have a vast amount of, you know, you know hits on my uh, discography, but really I, I wanted to reach as many people as possible and work with as many people as possible, first and foremost. Um, and, you know, it just kind of snowballed, you know, you work with, you know, a person here and there, and then, you know, another person reaches out and another person, and all of a sudden, you know, you have 20, 30, uh, projects in the queue that, you know, you're working on at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was basically referring to a, uh, a post you had, it said you've released 57 songs so far this 57. year. Yes, you were yes. attached to, and you're shooting for a hundred, and it it looks like you're going to go well over it. Uh, potentially, uh, actually, it'll be uh, fifty eight. Uh, will be next uh, Friday. I have another song coming out, uh, but there's quite a few projects that I'm wrapping up now. I, the uh, the thing is, a lot of people are waiting on me because I have uh, mixing and mastering that I'm doing also for these projects, uh, and I've been taking my time. Uh, one thing I want to be sure of is to make sure each release uh, that you know I'm involved with is you know high quality. I, I'm not I'm not trying to just churn out music. I'm not a I'm not a machine. Um, right. It's it's important for me that the uh, the the love I have for the the music and the respect I have for the the artists uh, comes through in the uh, the music that we're crafting. So I do take my time with it. Uh, and I do make sure everything sounds how I think it should sound on my end and how they believe it, it should sound on their end. And, you know, we've come to that that conclusion that, you know, this is the song that or songs or project uh, that we want to release. Right. So when did you get started? Would you say let's take people back a little bit. What album do you uh, remember first? really getting into and being an influence on you that made you want to start producing? So the, you know, I, I came up with a lot of different uh, music genres. Um, but if we want to specifically focus on hip hop, it would be Public Enemies, uh, It Takes a Nation of Millions. Uh, that was a, a cassette that was given to me uh, by a teacher, actually, who said, you know, mm -hmm. this is this is something, you know, you need to listen to. Uh, and I remember I had a I had a little, a little radio. I wouldn't even call it a boombox. It was one of those like, really cheap radios that might it might have had like a single speaker on it. It didn't even have the, the speakers on either side. Um, but I, I would just like play it over and over again until you know maybe, maybe a year or two later the the uh, the thing ate the tape. And uh, but it was it was Public Enemies. It takes a nation of millions that really. Um, I wouldn't say solidified my love for hip hop because I had been listening to hip hop for you know, many years prior to that. Uh, but it, it really laid the foundation for me as a producer. It's one of those things that I always go back to, just the, the textures that they had, they as in the Bomb Squad, 
had in their production. There was a lot of different textures, a lot of different layers, a lot of different sounds going on, which I do carry over into my production now. Not on that, that same level, you know, you're not getting the air, the air raid sirens blasting through, but it's the, the textures. It's the way that they constructed the, the track and built up all these different layers to it. And that's one of the, the things that, you know, I do with my, with my production. I, I really, uh, I love textures, I love layers, and I really try to uh, incorporate little nuances into the, the music that you might not initially notice the first time you listen to it. But if you listen again, you might hear something in your right ear that you didn't catch the first time, or you might catch something in your left ear. Uh, so it's these, it's these little things that I, I bring into the production that really started with uh, listening to Bomb Squad. Mm-hmm. So it, um, it says in your bio, you were creating music in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And then um, in 2005, you released your first single. Was there, any, was there anything you put out like prior to that, like whether it was on a mixtape or just for a, a different artist? Uh, so there was a lot of work that I was, I wouldn't say a lot of work. There was work that I was doing with local artists that was really, it was nothing that was ever released. You know, we would record stuff in, uh, you know, in, in my basement, you know, you, you recorded on the tape deck and you know I, i'd have some beats going they would rhyme uh that was it we never i never did anything official with it because i was also i was, I was in college and i wasn't really focused on uh, i didn't really see this as anything i could push to that next level until about uh 2000 2001 uh, there was a an mc his his name was chaotic he doesn't rhyme anymore uh, but he was part of the Dog Pound Next Generation. They had this uh, open call for uh, really like the next wave of Dog Pound artists, uh, Daz and Corrupted. And Chaotic was uh, selected. You might be able to Google this. It might still be in the, uh, the netherworld of the internet. Um, but he and I actually went to high school together. So I knew him. And we had reconnected uh, somewhere around 2000, 2001, when he was doing a lot of local shows. Um, and, you know, I, I started seeing what was going on, started seeing how the, the scene was uh, starting to evolve and realized that, you know, I could probably jump back into the production and, and do something with it. Um, I didn't work with him. I actually didn't work with Chaotic until many years later. Uh, but it was, a lot of it was, you know, building confidence. You have to remember when, um, in my era, when, you know, you're, you're getting on the mic or you're, you're making beats you kind of have to earn the right to to really put your music out there and have uh have the opportunity to as a producer work with these other artists um and you know it it took some time to not only uh develop that confidence but also kind of get that positive feedback that let me know that okay uh, i can take this the the music i'm creating the sounds i'm creating and do something potentially positive with it and have uh, artists outside of my local circle who you know, most of them, they, they weren't the guys that I was working with, they weren't trying to actually do something with it. They were really just uh, smoking weed most of the time. And, um, you know, just messing around kind of really, that, that's, that's really what it was. Uh, so there, it, I couldn't, there was no way that I would ever be able to get to a point where I would have anything uh, produced or pressed up with the the crowd that I was in with, so it took 
you know, really connecting with someone who was on, you know, another tier, seeing what was possible to give me that confidence to then reach out. Um, and it, it was, when did I start pressing up those CDs? Maybe uh, 2003, 2004, I started to press up beat CDs. This, we were a little bit past beat tapes. Uh, so I was uh, doing beat CDs and I was just, I started sending them out to, uh, different record labels and occasionally uh, different artists. And around that time, I connected with uh, DJ City Rich. Uh, City Rich uh, was at the time the DJ for the Jizza. Mm -hmm. um, he was also, he, I don't know if it was the same time, but a little bit after that, he was a uh, tour DJ for Ari the Rugged Man. Anyway, I got connected with him and he's, he's like, oh, you know, your, your production's really good. I'm gonna pass it to Jizza and see what he says. Um, I met up with Jizza, you know, he listened to the beats. He said, oh, you know, I love what you're doing. You know, I'm a, I, I want to work with one of these songs. That same day, I also met Sean Price and, and Buckshot, but I only had one CD, so I couldn't give them any. Um, wow. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, you, you get that confidence. And you know, I never, I don't know if Jizza ever did anything with the beats, but that moment gave me, you know, this... Know, this energy, this drive to, to really you know, go forward with it. Um, and then uh, I, would I would connect with J211. J211 was part of uh, Razkaz's re-up gang. Uh, J211 put me in touch with Razkaz, and they did that initial song, which is The Long Walk Home, um, which came out in 2005. Um, that was through J211, um, really connected me with Razkaz, and that was my first big song. Uh, there would have been actually a song prior to that in 2004 that would have come out would be real uh, that he had uh, a contest on his uh, his site at the time and he was working on them uh, his mixtape this was the the first of the the gunslinger series um, you know production contest and some beats whoever wins you know I'll record to the song and you know your song will be on my my mixtape I won. Uh, he selected my beat. The song never came out. So 2005, the, the, the song of Razkaz and J211 is my, my first official drop. Yeah. So um, would you say um, MySpace was around at that time? I, don't, I can't re remember if it was or not. not I, I mean, it might have been, but I wasn't using it until probably a, a few years after that, maybe um, 2007, 2008-ish, somewhere around there. So were you going to New York a lot to connect with, with these artists? I wasn't. So the uh, I met Jizza, uh, Sean Price, uh, Buckshot. Uh, Dreddy Kruger was also there as well uh, here in D.C. So they actually they came to a show uh, at the, the 930 Club. And Rich said, hey, you know, why don't you come up and meet everyone? So I did. And it, there were a lot of venues in the area and there were a lot of artists who were coming down to the dc area to perform uh you know necro would perform you know not too far from here and you know a lot of artists and i would connect with them online you know some of them would have websites some of them because you know, obviously you know this is many many years ago uh yeah. you just find the, the little ways that you can connect with some of these people and when myspace did pop up uh when everyone started using it it became Know, much easier to connect with uh, a lot of these artists. Um, 
you know, I just, you, you reach right out to, you know, like Cool Rap and it's like, hey, yeah, you know, just let me know what you need. Of course, that was also because MF Grimm was my manager at the time and, you know, we worked, you know, he had already spoken to him, but it was much easier to connect with a lot of the artists I, through MySpace. And I, I would say the, I would say the infancy of social media because there were sites prior to that, but it was really when it started to take off and that was with MySpace. Yeah. So, well, since you mentioned Grimm, uh, how did you end up meeting him and, and having all that come about? So I actually reached out to Grimm because I was working on uh, a mixtape at the time. Uh, this would have been 2005, late 2005, uh, early 2006. I was, I figured, you know, I have all these beats. I've started to connect with some of these MCs. I had already connected with, you know, Hellraiser, Razzcast, some of all these artists. I, f- I figure the next logical step for me would be to produce a, a mixtape, which was, you know, at the time they, they were they were prevalent. You know, producers were dropping mixtapes all the time. Um, so I reached out to Grimm um, to, you know, see if I could get a verse from him on or, you know, a song from him on the, on the mixtape. I sent him some beats and he said, hey, you know, uh, I can hook you up with a song. I never got the song, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but I love your beats and I'd love you to, I'd love for you to produce on uh, the album I'm working on, which was American Hunger, the, the triple CD. And I said, you know, of course, you know, that, 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 that's crazy that you're asking me. Uh, so uh, during the course of that, you know, I produced three songs in American Hunger. Uh, during the course of that, you know, Grimm said, you know, I love what you're doing. And, you know, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of uh, MCs that I work with who would love to have some of your, your production. Would you like me to be your manager? And I said, you know, of course, MF Grimm is my manager. They, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so uh, he was my, my manager. There was a lot going on. We didn't really get a chance to do a lot with it. Uh, but for, you know, about a year, uh, Grimm was my manager. Wow. So, um, with with uh, producers like Pharrell and uh, the Neptunes and also Timberland being mm-hmm. from Virginia, did that yes. affect the scene that you were involved with starting off at all? No. So you have to understand Timberland, uh, Pharrell, uh, Knotts. Uh, I know it's like really mainstream, but well, they're they're from they're essentially from the, the southern half of Virginia. Virginia has different sounds depending on where you are. So where I am, which was primarily, it is primarily uh, Northern Virginia, which is just outside of DC, at the time when, you know, Timbaland was doing his thing, when Pharrell, uh, when they were, you know, rising in popularity, which would have been uh, mid to late 90s, uh, we were more focused on the, the gritty New York boom bap. So that style, that sound that they were uh, creating didn't really carry over into what I was doing. I respected what they were doing and I, I loved the music, but it wasn't the sound that I was creating and it wasn't the sound that I wanted to uh, to generate from you know my side of, of Virginia, if you will. Yeah. So um, let's see. Did you ever meet MF Doom as a result of, of Grimm? No, they were beefing at the time. So uh, this was... I met Grimm, um, this, this might have been a few months after um, 
MF Doom dropped the, the Midgets into Crunk line, which was a reference to MIC, the Monster Island Czars, which was the group that uh, Grimm and Doom were a part of in the uh, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, I believe. Um, so they were, they were not cool at that point. Um, so no, I did not meet Doom. And there was, there, there was a lot of tension, uh, a lot of, um, not just within with Grimm, but a lot of the artists I was working with because I was uh, on the label Day by Day Entertainment. And a lot of those artists were part of MIC. Uh, so for me to have tried to reach out to Doom would have uh, generated a lot of hostility. And I, 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 never, I, I never reached out to Doom. I never spoke to him. Um, during that time, there was a brief overlap. A few years later, when I was working on the album for Baby Grand, I didn't drop it, but I had spoken to Devin at Nature Sounds about possibly uh, releasing it. And we had talked about potentially having Doom on the album. And that's as far as it went. Yeah. So um, tell us about God Sendant Music. What made you decide to um, found that? And uh, is it still going on? No. Oh, no. Sorry. It says it shut down. Yeah. 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 So I, I pushed that out. Uh, when did I, I, I think it was 2004 that I decided to start my own label. Um, this was really in the infancy of digital distribution. And I had a, a deal that I signed with the orchard, which is a su subsidiary of Sony. Um, so I signed a deal with the orchard and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to push out my own music um, and, you know, connect with these artists and, you know, we're going to do some awesome things. So I, I was able to, you know, get some you know, great names on the, the label. You know, I worked at Block McCloud. I pushed out Jazz Spastic's first album, uh, Tragic Allies. You know, SD Knack is, is part of their group. You know, I pushed out, you know, their first album. Um, you know, I, Little Indian, which he, he had a single, one little Indian that was, um, I don't remember when that came out, it came out maybe uh, 96, 97. Uh, maybe a little bit later than that, but I know he had a remix by Buckwild. He had a remix by J uh, by Dilla uh, hmm. that we also re-released. Anyway, the I had a lot of great artists. The problem was this was also still the Wild West of uh, file sharing and um, streaming services. There was really, I think at the time, it was really just iTunes, maybe Napster. Uh, there there weren't many. Uh, so what was happening is. Uh, we were only doing digital releases. I was letting the artists push out their own physical releases. We were only doing digital releases. And because everything was developing, no one was actually listening or purchasing uh, any of the albums through iTunes or actually I think Amazon Music might have just started popping up around that time. Uh, so long story short, it never made any money. I, I never made any money. I paid the artists out of pocket uh, 100% for uh, anything that they might have made, but most of the releases never recouped the distribution costs. Um, and it just became a lot for me to juggle personally. Um, and I figured it was time for me to you know, step away and let the artist, now that, you know, at the time Bandcamp had just started up, uh, more distribution opp opportunities were coming up. So I, I stepped away and gave them the opportunity to, you know, self-release and be able to, um, be able to you know, have their own music out and 
be able to monetize it on their own without having to rely on on someone else like myself. Yeah. So is that kind of when you took a break for a while? Uh, shortly after that, yes. Um, it became that wasn't a contributing factor, but uh, just it was time for me to step away. Uh, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of things going on personally. You know, I I'm a father. You know, I, I have children. You know, my my family is. Uh, they have their needs, you know, right. I, I needed to really step away from the music um, and, you know, focus on my family because I was, I would say I was devoting more time than uh, I should have. And it, it became unhealthy, the amount of time I was devoting to the music. Um, you know, you stay up all night, you know, till 2, 3 a.m., you know, making you know, music. Um, and... I was getting burnt out. I wasn't giving my family the attention they need. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was time for me to step away. And I, and that's, it was about 2014 or so when I, when I did that. So were you still making music at all or were you just completely not even using any machines or, um, doing any production? Shortly after that, I want to say it was 2016 or so. I had a pipe burst in my house and it destroyed oh, virtually no. all of the hardware that I had. Um, so I was like, well, you know, maybe it's a sign. Hmm. Um, I would occasionally make production here or there uh, digitally. Uh, and there were a few things that, you know, I, I would make some things and I would stockpile some production just to have, you know, because throughout the, this, that stretch, the various people would reach out to me and they would say, Hey, you know, you know, can you, can you make something for me? You know, here you go. You know, it's not a problem. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't putting the same level of energy into it. Um, I was just kind of, you know, there as a, as a guide, if you will. Yeah. So would you say the pandemic kind of got you doing it again? It did. Uh, so I had, prior to the pandemic, I had talked about doing a project with Breeze of Flowin. Uh, which, you know, we had, I, I've known Bree since, I don't know, 2006, something like that. Uh, we've done dozens and dozens of songs, but we had never done a project. And I said, you know, I have, I have beats that have been laying around, you know, we should do something. Um, but it was, it wasn't anything that, you know, we never had time. You know, I, I have kids, he, ha he has his family. Uh, we didn't really connect until the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um well, we didn't connect on a project. We had we, we were speaking all, all the time. Um, but because we had the, the free time, he said, hey, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I have time to record. You know, let's let's get something going. Uh, so Breeze and I knocked out the the EP, uh, Old Man Spring, uh, which was largely uh, production that I had uh, stockpiled from the last uh, five years or so. So, you know, Beats from most of those were, you know, 2017 to 2019 ish uh, that he was using. Um, and, you know, while I was doing it, and I said, well, you know, this is, you know, re energizing my, my love for uh, music production and for, you know, creating the music. Um, and while we were doing that, then, you know, you know, Breeze is sharing it on social media, you know, that, you know, I'm working on the EP with Chrome and everyone said, oh, you know, Chrome's back. And, you know, then you, you get the, the snowball effect. Um, 
but I actually, I didn't have any social media accounts. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Twitter. I didn't have any music out on any of the streaming platforms. I didn't have anything until about June of 2020. Uh, so I had pretty much just separated from everything and didn't come back until uh, we had released, uh, Breeze and I had released the EP. And then maybe a, uh, a month after that, uh, Shaka Mazulu um, reached out to me and asked if I wanted to remix the, uh, the Shogun Assassin of Killer Army album, which you know I did and we released that in December of 2020. Uh, then it just started picking up from there. Uh, I think uh, maybe November or December of 2020, um, Ryan of um, Man Bites Dog uh, asked if I wanted to dust off the equipment and work on an album. Um, I said, yeah, sure, you know, I'm, I'm back in, you know, might as well get things going. And you know, that was the, the beginning of, of the Ceremony of Innocence, which was recently released. So um, looking back, like, are you, did it surprise you? Does it surprise you at all, like being back into music and like just jumping right in, or was it something you kind of always planned on or hoped for? No, no. So I, I can honestly say I wasn't really planning on coming back into music. I think the only thing I might have wanted to do was, you know, occasionally connect with a person here and there and maybe work on a song or two with them. Uh, but I never really thought that I would be where I am right now. Uh, with the amount of projects I've released in a relatively short uh, time period uh, and just reconnecting not only with the same artists from the past, but also with all these new artists and then shifting over to different genres, uh, which is something that I was doing, um, you know, a decade or so ago, just kind of picking back up. I, what I did was I, I really just picked back up from where I was when I left um, but not at that state, so not the, the 2014 Chrome, but more of the, the 2000, 2008 Chrome, who still had uh, you know, a lot of that, that drive and that energy and that passion. Um, bringing it into right now, 2022, um, but being able to pace myself. So what's been critical for me, um, and it, it, again, this doesn't work for everyone, but what's been critical for me uh, to be successful and to, to be happy, to make sure my wife is happy, my kids are happy, is to really limit um, the amount of time that I spend and focus on music. Mm -hmm. I give myself about two hours a day. Um, you know, I, I'll jump into music when my youngest is down for a nap. Uh, you know, I'll work on a few things. Most of it at this point is mixing. Um, and then in the evenings when you know, the kids are going to bed, I'll give myself another hour. Uh, to knock things out and then uh, spend the rest of the evening with my wife. Uh, and that's it. Uh, if there's something that I need to, to squeeze in, you know, I might give myself a little bit more time, but that's, that's really the amount of time that I have. You know, I give myself about two hours a day and I'm more productive than I have ever been. I'm more focused than I've ever been. I'm more creative than I've ever been. And I, I think it's, it's done wonders for my mental health. Uh, because, you know, when you become you know, fully immersed in something, it, um, not just music, it, it, this can relate to uh, a number of different things. Um, it almost becomes, I wouldn't say an obsession, but it becomes more uh, painful than productive. Um, and that's what was happening to me. I was, I was way too far into 
the obsession of music and it wasn't fun. And for me right now, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm having, I'm, I, you know, I love the music that we're creating. I love the opportunities to work with all these artists. I love the opportunities to, to give back and to provide um, you know, money to charities. It's, it's really exciting for me uh, at this stage of my career, which I wouldn't have imagined um, you know, years and years ago that you know, in 2022, I would be you know, here releasing albums and releasing all this music and you know, loving it. Yeah. Do you have any idea how many projects you're working on right now? I, if I had a guess, I would say it's close to 30. Wow. Now, now you you have to you have to remember. So, this spans um, individual singles. This yeah. is EPs. This is albums, uh, and it's also uh, multi-genre. So it's not simply just uh, hip hop, but I also work in in metal. I work in in uh, hardcore punk. Uh, I work in different genres. So a lot of these projects kind of carry over into those different uh, spaces. So what do you do for um, like rock music or punk? Do you mostly just mix and master it for them? No, I actually, I, I serve as a producer. So yes, I, I will mix and master, but I do serve as a producer. I'll step in and, you know, we'll listen to the music. We'll listen to what they have and I'll craft the, I'll help them craft the vision for the song. You know, we'll make suggestions. We'll make recommendations. We might change when a bridge comes in. We might change, you know, the length of the chorus. Uh, we might, you know, they had a, a solo at, at the end. No, let's bring it to the, the front. You know, it's really working with them to to build the, the songs, to build their sound so that it it, best, it most accurately um, really provides the, uh, the, the, the audience, the, the, the skills that they have and the, the love they have for the music. And it's really making sure I understand the, the bands, I understand the musicians, the artists, uh, so that what they're trying to achieve comes across in what I'm also doing for them. Mm-hmm. So um, it says in your, in your bio that um, you've won some awards. I have. Was that... Was that um before you came back yes i haven't i don't nothing that i've i've done since i've we've put up for any awards or anything like that but many many years ago yes there were quite a few awards that that we won songwriting awards uh year-end awards things like that um yeah it's it's been many years so i i couldn't tell you off the top of my head yeah so for the ceremony of innocence album for a project like that with so many artists how Mm -hmm. long does it take to put a album like that together so that took me roughly let's see i started working on that late 2020 um and i was done i had it delivered uh may of 2021 so it took i think it took about eight months if i'm not mistaken um some of the artists uh a few of the artists, uh, the the label had reached out to and uh, connected uh, connected me to them on you know on their behalf. So uh, that's when I became connected with Sleep Sinatra, uh, who interestingly enough had actually reached out to me back in 2010 to work on something, but we didn't get a chance to. Uh, but they reached out and they got Sleep Sinatra 
Double uh, AB, who's also on the, the label. Um, Born Unique. Born Unique, I, was, I had previously worked with, but um, I hadn't reconnected with him. Born Unique uh, came out of that. Um, I think there might have been one more person, if I'm not mistaken. But all the other songs, those were artists that I reached out to personally and put all that together. So when I have, I have the green light for a project, I go. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. The, the one thing about me is, you know, my work ethic is is different than a lot of other people. I, I don't I don't waste time because I don't have a lot of time to waste. So I have to maximize the time I, I have available. So it's important for me to map out a game plan and just go and just you know reach out to as many people as possible that I want attached to the project, get them the production. And you know we we start crafting these songs, um, but I, I had a a vision for the, the music that I wanted to create, and I knew the artists that I wanted to work with, so that made it obviously a lot easier because you know I said oh you know I, I want you know Hellraiser on this song and you know I have to have Shaheem on the hook, mm-hmm. um, so I I had a I had a game plan for the ceremony, and. Does that include topics for each song, like uh, kind of suggesting what they write to I, or write about? So I, I, I don't typically do that. I usually let the artist explore the space of the, the music. And I usually, well, specifically for the ceremony, uh, I crafted the, the vibe kind of around the, um, the artists themselves. So they, they all kind of stuck to a, I, I would say they stuck to a theme, but they stuck to a vibe that I wanted for the songs. Uh, and that's what was that was important for me, more so than having a, a theme, uh, was keeping them in, in line with the vibe that I had. And you know, I bookended that with the the intro and outro, as well as having an interlude, uh, dead center uh, in the album to kind of pull everything together. But for me, it, it's 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 that vibe, it's the atmosphere, the the ambiance that was created from the music that I wanted to carry through. Uh, all the the individual songs, so it it all felt seamless. It all tied together, even though the the production for some of the songs could be you know starkly different from one to another, but it all felt cohesive. Yeah, it does, definitely. Um, so, are you already at work on another producer album? I actually am not yet because you know I just released Ceremony uh, a month ago. Um, I'll probably start work on that maybe late December. Um, at this point, I, I need to, I have a lot of projects in the queue that I need to, to finish up. Uh, so I'm going to focus on those first and then uh, get started on the, the next album. Uh, I might, I, I've, I've started putting together a few different songs, but I haven't sat down and figured out who's going to be on the next album, um, what the production is going to be like. I, I just haven't done that part yet. Yeah. So um, Bobby J from Rockaway is a friend of mine. Shout out to Bobby. How did you Shout guys first connect and um, start working together? So I reached out to Bobby for uh, Antisocial. I I reached out to – so I already had um, – I had Chris Rivers on the song, and I needed a hook. Uh, I had – the. The funny thing is that I, I didn't realize that Kwame and, and Bobby had the, the connection that they had. I knew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I found that out later, which was, it was, wow. it was kind of funny. 
Um, I had actually reached out to Kwame first to um, to do the hook, and never heard back. And you know, it's fine. It, it happens. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's extremely busy. So I reached out. I, I needed the second verse, and I had heard a um, a song that Bobby had put out. I think. I don't remember what song it was, but uh, one of the DJs had played one of my songs and a song by Bobby came on after. And I was like, oh, you know, he's pretty nice. You know, he would go well on antisocial. So I reached out to Bobby. He did his verse. And around that time, Kwame got back to me and he said, oh, you know, um, I I might've mentioned that I had reached out to Kwame uh, for the hook. And he said, oh, you know, Bobby got back to me and, and said that uh, you were working on the song. You know, I'm sorry I didn't see your email. I, just let me know what you need. I'll get it back to you, you know, in an hour. He, he said this. It was, a, it was maybe two hours, which is still crazy. It's Kwame. Right. Uh, yeah. He sends it back. He's like, oh, you know, let me know what you need. You know, let me, let me know if this works. I was like, this is perfect. Like, this, is, this is crazy. I mean, look, this is the legend Kwame here on the song, which was, you know, mind-blowing that you know i actually have my my production but that was actually the first time i connected with bobby um and you know we've worked together quite a few times uh since then uh and you know he he's he's amazing he's he's amazing uh mc he's an amazing uh performer um and we have the the song getting ready to drop on the 21st with mc search uh around here that you know it's it's crazy you know yeah that is crazy so did you reach out to Search, or how did this happen? So I've known Search for about 16, 17 years. He and I did a song, uh, the original version around here, um, back in maybe 2006, 2007. And we had been speaking together. Uh, we, had, we had spoken together uh, off and on throughout you know, the, the last you know, decade plus or so. And I actually had... <clears throat> we connected with Search prior to the pandemic. We had talked about doing a few songs, uh, but nothing really stuck. Uh, so while this was, I, I think this was last year, um, I was going through the vault and I found the old song, the old uh, verse that Search did, and I remixed it. And I said, you know, it'd be crazy if, you know, we push this out around here um, and get Bobby on it because, you know, both Search and Bobby are from Far Rockaway. And he was like, yeah, you know, that'd be crazy. You know, let's see if we can get Bobby to you know, do the hook and do a verse. So we did that. Search, we did a verse, and it, it's a completely different song. Um, but, you know, we, I, I had this, this idea, you know, to, to do this, this song f- with these two guys who are from the same area but from different eras to kind of bring their different styles into uh, essentially you know, uh, you know, my production. Um, and, you know, I, I personally, I, I think the song came out really well. Uh, we shot a video for it in Far, Far Rockaway. Um, we had, you know, a number of people show up. Um, he also, we, they also shot a portion down in, in Florida. Uh, Thurston Howell III showed up for that. K Solo, DJ Clips showed up when we were in New York. Um, so the, the video of October uh, and you know it's a it's a it's a great song um, I think search is gonna be performing it next week as well on shade 45 Wow so um I also saw you have a um, you had a single drop with um is it king dude yeah it dropped um 
dropped in, in August. I haven't mm. heard of him before. Should we expect more from you guys working together? That was a one-off. So King Dude is a uh, gothic folk country singer um, who uh, is, has an amazing uh, body of work. He actually, I believe he started out as a, as a death metal singer uh, or black metal. Uh, uh, but I had heard his songs and I, I thought, you know what? It would be amazing to, to connect with someone outside of the genre that I typically operate in and see what we could do. And, you know, I reached out. He had just released uh, an EP. It was, uh, I think it was, it was simply called Songs of the 40s. I'd have to, I'm drawing a blank now, but I believe that's what it was called. Um, and one of the songs on there was 16 Tons, which is a cover of a uh, Merle Travis song from 1947. It had been previously covered uh, by a, a number of different country artists, including you know, Johnny Cash. Uh, so it was a quite popular song, and he covered it. Uh, so I, I said, well, I love your vocals. I love what you've done here. Can I have it and put my own spin on it? And he said, yeah, sure, you know, let me know. Uh, so you know, I laid the foundation for it, and I again reached out to Doug Wimbish of Living Color. You know, shout out to Doug Wimbish, the legend, the legendary bass player doug wimbish um mm -hmm. who you know laced the bass throughout it and then i also reached out to daniel fleming uh who is the uh, he plays guitar for age of ruin they're a, a dc hardcore band who's been around uh for decades um and i asked him to you know, play something on the course just to kind of beef it up and you know we, we dropped it it's done surprisingly well on streaming sites um but the, the, the real reason I put this together, and I've been putting together um, similar songs, similar projects, uh, was specifically for charity. So the, the project itself uh, was designed to uh, bring attention to Punks for Autism. Punks for Autism is a nonprofit uh, who they, uh, they create merchandise, specifically uh, T-shirts with artists from all over the globe um, that have, you know, they have these awesome t-shirts that they, they sell and a hundred percent of those sales go right back to local and uh, national autism uh, related charities. Uh, so I, I loved the work that they were doing and I wanted to do what I, something for them. So I created, uh, actually this wasn't, this was actually the second, um, but the 16 Tons remix, 100% of that, uh, anything that we earned from streaming, from Bandcamp, went right back to Punks for Autism. The first one I did for Punks for Autism was actually the Light of Fire single, uh, the one with uh, Chuck D, Brother Ali, Speech, and again, Doug Wimbish of Lo Living Color. Uh, that also, 100% of that went to Punks for Autism as well. Mm. That's cool. So um, do you feel like this is a song you're most known for or a project? Um, you know, it's funny. There's, it, it always seems to be something different that people you know will reach out to me and, and say, "Oh, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Hush Little Baby, which was uh, Raskaz's diss uh, to, uh, towards the game, or you know, Hellraiser's Lost Ark, or Ill Bill's, um, you know, Awaiting the Hour, or you know, most recently, you know." People say, you know, I, I love 16 Tons or I love Line of Fire or I love, you know, Ceremony Album. I, I don't I don't think there's any specific song or any specific project that people uh, 
that a large number of people have gravitated towards. And I think that's, I would prefer that way to have, you know, people uh, enter my music from all these different uh, entry points. So whether it's from, you know, a song from 2008 or it's a song from 2022 or a song from, you know, 2020, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I think it, it's great that, you know, my music is out there and people are listening to it all across the world and uh, being able to find me, uh, it, 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 it's humbling to say the least to, even though I, I've been doing this for so long and I've worked with so many different people, it's always humbling, you know, to have someone reach out and say, you know, I love this song or I, you know, I love what you did, you know, here, or, you know, I, I love this album. I love this project. It, it, it's, it's still incredibly humbling, you know, to, to hear, uh, just because you, you don't, you never get used to it. Uh, for me personally, I, I never really get used to it. You, you know, you, you don't really, you're just making the music. You don't really think that people are listening to it like that and then you know you occasionally see your, your streaming numbers you're like wow there's a lot of people who are actually listening to it uh, but it's completely different when you actually have an individual reach out to you directly and tell you that um it's like i said it's it's a humbling feeling yeah um so if people want to get uh work, work with you or or get beats from you what's the best way for that to happen just reach out directly just reach out directly. Um, I'm, I try to be as accessible as possible. Uh, so Twitter or, you know, they, um, my email address is on all of these. They, they can just reach out. Um, and I, I, I usually try to connect with as many people as possible. Uh, even if I'm not able to start a project, I'll at least listen to the music and uh, hear where they're coming from. Uh, see what I could do. I, it's not just uh, a lot of this might be uh, on the hip hop side, but uh, it's also bands. Bands also reach out to me from you know, across the world, uh, and you know I listen to their music and I offer you know some initial feedback and you know see if we could do something. But yeah, just I I'm available. Uh, I'm I'm always here for uh, for advice for support for anything uh, any of the artists and musicians need, uh, I try to make myself as available as possible. Yeah. Um, so you're not on any, there's no websites that people can just go on and buy beats on, correct? No, no. Yeah. I, I prefer, for me personally, I prefer to tailor the production to the artist. Uh, occasionally, you know, I'll send a batch, and um, I, I say this all the time, none of the production that I have is ever 100%. Um, so if if you have production from me, and I I usually say you know I will give you the MP3, you can work with that. Uh, but I always mix and master because I I'm always finalizing the the production while I'm mixing, while I'm working with the artist, while I'm working with the vocals. So drums can change. The you know there might be additional textural layers. The the, the chorus might change. Bridges might be introduced. A lot of that happens during the process of having the, the vocals on top of what essentially is the, the skeleton of the production. Uh, so it's, I, I never, I don't sell beats um, because I, I, I've never, I've never finished the, the, the production until I'm actually working with the artists, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Oh shoot, I keep forgetting what I was gonna say. There was something I was. Oh yeah. So do you um, do you find yourself like kind of looking for new artists to work with? Like, do you ha- kind of have your ear to different shows or or different DJs to hear new artists? You know, I'll listen to shows. I listen to your show. Um, and you know, I'll I'll listen to as much as I can, uh, and try to you know listen to uh, you know, new artists, you know, new sounds. Um, you know, I, I don't do it as much as I could just because I, I have so much on my plate now, but I do definitely take notes. I will say, you know, I, I love this one artist. I, I need to work, reach out to them and I'll say, well, instead of waiting, I should probably just reach out to them now because I, I might not remember. Um, but I do, I will listen to shows, you know, when I'm driving, like I said, I'll listen to your show. I'll listen to, you know, I'll listen to PF. I'll listen to Eclipse um with wraps out of control and just listen to you know what's what's out there you know the, the different artists you know most of them you know, i've i've connected with that but i i like finding new uh artists to in, in groups to to work with to connect with is there anyone that you really want to work with that it just hasn't happened yet um you know for me it's it, anyone that I would really want to work with would probably be, they would be legacy artists, artists that uh, I really respected and really wanted to work with, or I would say work with that I really listened to when I was growing up. Uh, so, you know, you have you know, Ella Courges and Big Daddy Kane's. It's, those legacy artists are the artists that I personally, those are really at the top of my uh, bucket list right now. Um, you know, maybe I'll get to them. If not, then, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of artists that I would love to, to connect with and I would love to work with. But you know, that the top of that is, are those, those MCs that I, I was listening to when I was younger. And that selfishly, it, it's just, it, it's one of those things where because I, I grew up listening to them, you know, I, I would just love to be able to, to work with them. So, you know, being able to work with, you know, Chuck D, being able to work with MC Surge, being able to work with Kwame, being able to work with, you know, all these artists from, you know, from the era when, you know, I was really developing my, my interest in the, uh, in music, um, you know, really the, the eighties, um, you know, has been you know, an incredible experience for me. Yeah. So I got uh, one or two more questions and then we can wrap it up. Um, for, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people produce nowadays or, you know, they want to get into it. What advice would you have people really just starting and, and trying to get into it? Uh, so there's a few things. The, the, the big one is uh, you, you have to, you know, keep going. You have to, uh, you have to develop a thick skin. You have to uh, really stick with it. If it's something you are interested in, if it's something that you feel like you're skilled at and that you love and enjoy, you have to stick with it. You have to uh, really develop those skills and really uh, strengthen uh, yourself as a, as a producer. Um, what's also important is you have to, as I mentioned you know, a second ago, you have to have thick skin because when you send out your production, um, no matter what stage you're at, you're going to have people who are just going to flat out reject it. And you have to take that, that criticism and either use it to strengthen yourself as a producer or, you know, for some people, it's, it's just too much for them and they, they, 
uh, decide to you know, step away. It's important to use that to, to get stronger. Um, and it's also important to, to network. Whether you're networking in real life or you're networking virtually, it's important to network, to get your name out as much as possible, uh, because that's what, that's what put me where I am right now, uh, networking, reaching out to you know, all those different artists uh, you know, decades ago, uh, just connecting, 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 whether it was through email or snail you know, writing letters. You know, I actually, you know, back in the day, you know, you write letters and send them off. Um, in the infancy of social media, you know, whether it's a MySpace or those platforms back then, to now where you have so many different opportunities to reach out to uh, individuals, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and network, get your music out there. Um, and try to work with as many people as possible, especially as producers, to really help build your, not just your name, but also to help uh, develop your, your sound, your, um, your affinity for the music and the, the type of sound that you want to be known for. Mm. That's, a, that's a really good answer because, I mean, with you, it, it almost seems like it's easy for you to connect with a lot of well-known artists. And I'm sure, like you've you've been shot down plenty of times, you know, with all the people oh, you've worked with. Oh yeah, it, it's like I said, it, it's it's not easy. I mean, for every you know, for every MC that I work with, there's probably you know five that have either ghosted me or just flat out you know not responded. Um, you, you just you have to be persistent. You have to keep going because you just never know. The, the song with Search, for example, you know, we, we kept going back and forth for, you know, 15, 16, 17 years. And, you know, I would send them something, you know, so, you know nothing really. Uh, but now we have a single coming out. This is his first single in 27 years. And you know, I'm producing it for him. Yeah, that's great. And, and that's just, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, you just kind of use. I wouldn't say that you know, you're just constantly trying to send your production, your, your beats to, you know, these artists, but, you know, you develop a relationship and you, you stay in touch with them and you kind of build that rapport with them. And, you know, for a lot of them, you know, we're, we've connected past the music, you know, I know about, you know, their, their family, I know about their, their kids, they know about my kids, we know about, you know, their activities that, you know, their kids are doing and things that they do outside of it. You know, you connect on a, on a different level. It's all, it's a spiritual level, if you will. And those are a lot of the the artists that I really have connected with and that I really work with, uh, artists I've connected with past the music. Um, just because at this stage in my career and at my my age, you know, I, I prefer to work with artists that I feel have the same level of passion that I have. And uh, you know, I feel like when we connect, we can actually connect and create something um, you know more than simply, you know, a verse on you know a beat it's it's an actual song that we are creating together mm. all right so um before we get to the final question can you let people know where they can find you online and give any shout outs you might uh, have so uh, across the board everything is chrome beats k-r-o-h-m-e-b-e-a-t-s so that's instagram slash chrome beats twitter chrome beats facebook chrome beats youtube chrome beats everything is chrome beats uh, I try to make it as, yeah. as uh, simple as possible so it's easy to find me. Um, but I'm most active on, uh, on Instagram. But anyone could 
reach out to me on any of the, the different uh, social media platforms that I have. They need to get in touch. Um, and, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm here to talk to, uh, <clears throat> to everyone. I'm here to provide uh, advice, feedback. Uh, I'm here to work with you. Uh, I'm here to you know, point you in the right direction if you need someone else to work with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here for all of that. That's really cool. So um, you actually have uh, a lot of merch. Well, you have, you have uh, it looks like shirts, CDs, tapes, and records mm-hmm. available. From, uh, for the Ceremony of Innocence, yes. We, had, um, we did all physicals for, for that release, yes. And they're all still um, available, but there's only a handful of uh, records left. And there's uh, only a few CDs left. So uh, I highly recommend if anyone wants to cop one that they, they, they grab one uh, pretty quickly because the, there's not going to be many left. There aren't many left. And we're not going to repress after uh, they're all gone. Yeah. All right. So um, would you say you have a top five favorite albums of all time? Top five favorite albums? Um, I don't usually do top five albums but what i will do is i will say top five albums that i was listening to a lot as i was coming up as a producer okay perfect. Uh, so um big one for me was uh into the 36 chambers uh you know i mm. uh, i love that album uh everyone loves that album but i obviously you know there's a lot of I wouldn't say tinges of RZA production in what I do, but uh, he was naturally an influence as I was starting out, you know, in 96, 97 as a producer. Um, definitely would have to add um, Nine Inch Nails to Downward Spiral, which would be a, a strange uh, pick for some, but, you know, I listen to a lot of different genres of music. I listen to a lot of different styles. And um, the work that Trent Reznor did on that album was heavily influential for me uh, as, a, as a producer. Uh, even now, um, you, you hear tinges of some of that, um, some of that really dark, um, almost uh, industrial vibe in some of the, uh, the work that I do. Um, I mentioned Public Enemies, It Takes a Nation of Millions. Uh, I, I still reference that album now. I, it was you know, incredibly influential for me. Uh, as a producer, uh, just the, the work that uh, the Bomb Squad did with their production. I, I mentioned the layering, the texturing, and of course, you know, Chuck D and his dominant performance. It, the, the, easily the, the greatest voice in hip hop. Uh, you know, when he speaks, you listen. And it, it just that, that booming, commanding voice. I, I love that album. Um, Nirvana's Nevermind uh, mm. was also a big one for me uh, that. I actually just, you know, listened to uh, about an hour ago, um, which a lot of that not only carries over to the work that I do outside of hip hop, but a lot of what was done with the mixing, with the, the just the, the, the panning of some of the, the instruments and, you know, where they're replacing Kurt's vocals, I bring that over into, I study that and I, I still study it. I studied it then, I study it now, you know, as I'm, you know, mixing and mastering. Um, just how oh, some of those classic albums, I would say classic, it, it, it's an album from the 90s. I wouldn't define that as classic. Um, but how some of those albums, you know, really um, sound amazing even today. Uh, and the last one, which again is a, is a non-hip-hop album, uh, would actually be the, the soundtrack for the movie The Crow. Um, 
which uh, for me is actually my personal favorite album of all time. Um, and a lot of what was done on that album uh, really set the, the stage for uh, my work as a producer, which is it's, it's interesting because you wouldn't think about, you know, a lot of the work they do is, is, is really boom bap. Um, but a lot of the work that I make is it's it's very dark. It's uh, almost gothic at times. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. These these picks actually. Right, I I mean like if you listen to the the recent remix that I did, uh, uh, we did for um, the, the Blackistan song. That's a, a very dark gothic song with live instruments uh, worked in. That's it's still chrome, but it's still it's carrying pieces from different genres and that's what I've, I've really done a lot in 2022 I've kind of used sampling as a as a foundation for the work that I'm doing and built on top of that with live instruments um, to really kind of craft a new type of sound with what I've been doing for the last you know almost 30 years yeah well yeah those picks definitely make sense because um I feel like Ceremony of Innocence is it's a pretty dark album mm-hmm. vibe, and I, I feel like mo- a lot of your music is in general. So right, but um, it's perfect. You know, I really like the music you're putting out, um, especially this year, Thank and uh, I really appreciate all these releases. It's it's pretty incredible. You know that you took such a a break and and came back and just you know just managed your time a little bit better, and yes. it's, it's making a huge difference. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 been uh, it's been surreal, if you will, just being able to to be back in and still. Uh, honestly, I, I'm more successful than I ever was, even when I was grinding crazy hard. Um, you know, just everything that I was doing, it set the stage for where I am now. I, I won't say any of the time anything that I did in the past was wasted. Uh, I will say that the energy was misplaced. Um, and that's what led to my need to, to step away. But it all contributed to get me where I am now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm you know, appreciative for everything that I have and being able to, to not only work with all these artists, but be able to you know, connect with the fans and being able to connect with you um, and, you know, have you play you know, my music, the, the music that, um, you know, the, the artists that I connect with, uh, have, you know, created, uh, you know, it's, again, it's, it's humbling and, you know, I can't thank you, know, you and, and everyone else enough. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for joining me tonight, Chrome, mm-hmm. and uh, please keep me posted on everything. Of course. Um, and uh, just, just uh, keep killing it. I mean, you're, you're having a really great year and uh, hopefully it continues into 2023 even, even better. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hope so, too. <laughs> I'll keep going. All right. Thanks a lot. I know. Thank you. Take care. I know. Peace. Peace. The, 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 the Craig Crusher Podcast.